Well, for the time that we have left, right? <laughs> Got a little bit of time left, so I'm going to share what God has put in my heart. Um, family, uh, Pam and I, we've been married for 35 years. Some of you are here for the first time seeing us. And so, as Pastor Paul said, um, you'll see us a whole lot more. In fact, this Wednesday, we're going to be together again. What an incredible gift it was for us to be with a core group here at High Street Worship um, uh, two Wednesdays ago. We're going to be here again this Wednesday coming at the Fresh Encounter time. And we're going to unpack, we're going to unpack some of what we're talking about today. Um, it's amazing when God takes things to another level. Second Kings chapter 6, uh, Elijah was summoned by these prophets and they said, hey, this place is too small. Can we expand? And Elisha said, yes. And then he said, they said to him, will you go with us? And when they did, they just began to cut down so many trees. And it was so wide open what he wanted to do, what God wanted to do through them. I see that same thing happening here. God wants to expand. And while the, the season of Pastor Paul and Pastor Kathy may not be leading here, you know, in the, in the, the coming months, you know, we'll, we'll see a transition take place. God's calling them to still, they're, they're not retiring from the kingdom. They may not be doing this, but they're going to be doing something. And that's how it is in the kingdom. There's always a level of expansion. And so with that, on these Wednesday nights in our Fresh Encounter, you're going to start to hear about how does God plan to expand High Street Worship Center? And who is he using? And I'll give you the answer, you know. I'll, you know, let you know ahead of time. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. And the goal is to give ministry away. And you're going to see some exciting things coming soon that goes beyond just filling this house up and this house is is going to be busting out of the seams and it has nothing to do with me it has everything to do with the song that pastor mark was praying, was singing earlier i'm not enough and unless you come <laughs> will you will you meet me here again it's all about god and it's all about god saying i want to partner with you I think the last time I was here, I, I quoted Augustine. It says, without God, we can't. But without us, he won't. So he needs all of you in this next journey, this next step. And I am so pumped. I've seen it over and over again. When we get to a place where we give ministry away, like Jesus did. He left the planet. Thank God Paul and Kathy aren't leaving the planet. But they are giving ministry away. And I'll help with that process as the Lord, you know, just leads me. And as we do this thing together, it's going to be an exciting time. Are you up for it? Yeah, you up for it? All right, all right. Well, look, can you do me a favor? Um, as Pam and I get to know you, can you guys put up a picture of our family? Just want you guys to know what our family is like. Uh, we are, I told you we've been married for 35 years. Pam and I married for 35 years. That's my, that's my sweetheart. And, and these are our kids. These are our kids. Um, our, our 
from your right, from your left, from your left, yeah, from left to right, um, it's our oldest son. We have three sons. Our oldest son is Ryan, and that's him with his wife, Emily, and our granddaughter. Uh, this picture was taken a little while ago, and so she's not that little anymore. I think she was two then. Was she one? She was one then, and she just turned four. That's Melody Grace, and she gets the whole wallet. I don't know how many of you know what that's like. She just gets the whole wallet, man. And that's how God is. That's how God is. Um, and so that's Ryan, Emily, and Melody. And then all the way to the extreme right is our middle son, Andrew. And that's his wife, Amanda. Ryan and Emily were married back in 2014. Andrew and Amanda were married back in 2018. 18, back in 2018. And then right next to Andrew is our middle son, Jordan. And hmm? our youngest, I'm sorry, our youngest son, Jordan. Our youngest son, Jordan. And so, um, you know, we had two sons and then we're praying for a little girl. And, and then we didn't get a little girl. We had another little boy. And it was at that point um, we started praying for daughter-in-laws. And God has been sending them and just an amazing gift. And then uh, right to my to my uh, left, to your left, going back towards Ryan, is the most beautiful woman in the world to me. To me. So what I just did was I saved some of you men, you know, from saying amen and hallelujah and your wife looking like, really? So I qualified. She's the most beautiful woman in the world to me. And what a gift she is. Um... When it comes to children, they show a picture of God's grace. They show a picture of God's grace. Not just our children and our family, but all children. What kind of characteristics do children have? They're innocent. They're trusting. Their faith is high. They're full of joy. You know, each one of these little ones that I walked up to, I said, I said, hi, what's your name? And they said their name. I said, can I pray for you? They said, yeah, every one of them. I said, can I lay my hands on you? They said, sure. And for most of them, this is the first time they ever met me. And I know there's some qualifying principles that we, you know, teach our children, you know. But the way God has created us, especially the, the picture that he gives for children, he says, have a childlike faith. And for some of us that have gotten older, that childlikeness sort of gotten a little crusted over because we've been wounded, we've been disappointed, we've been hurt and offended. And so now when God says, I want you to trust me, we have a hard time. And so the picture that God gave us this morning with these children wasn't just for the children. It's for all of us. To return back to that innocence with God. One who says, can I lay my hands on you? And fresh and new, you say, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I know I've been hurt before, but yes, Lord. Help me with my childlike faith. When God says something like, 
will you forgive that person? We can say fresh, yes, Lord. See, with kids, it's so easy. When it's parents, we say, now say you're sorry. I'm sorry. But adults, say you're sorry. No, I ain't saying I'm sorry. No. When they say they're sorry, then I'll say I'm sorry. No, let's, let's be like a child. Come back to the innocence. One of my favorite words of description in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. It says, be kind, tender-hearted. That's my, that's my favorite word, man. It's easy for me to weep in the presence of the Lord. I spent time being around him and remembering what he's done for me. You'll, you'll hear a song at the close in about 15 minutes. You'll hear a song that says, what he's done for me. So amazing. So when somebody who is off or wrong or someone who has offended me and wounded me ask for forgiveness, all I have to do is recall what he's done for me. My heart becomes so tender. So, so, so tender. And I guard that. It doesn't make me soft. It doesn't make me weak. It makes me more like Jesus. And it keeps me the character trait of child. Put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, help me to stay tenderhearted as I pursue you and as I pursue others for you. In Jesus' name. So I want to read a scripture to you today. Um, man, I love those kids. I can't wait to see them afterwards, and I pray that everyone that you see speak life over them. Pastor, I'm not used to doing that. I'm not a talkative person. Well, become one. I'm not social. Become social because those kids need us. And may the days be gone. May the days be gone where our children are known for being abused, shamed, beaten, torn down, robbed of confidence. May those days be gone. Every chance we get, and you don't know what they're going through, not just these children, but children in general. You don't know what they're going through at home. You don't know what they go through when they go to school, the attack. And we send our kids out, go, get good grades, do what the teacher says, and come back home, we'll do the homework. We don't know that when they walk into these places, they're being bullied, shamed. And sometimes it's not just the shame of other kids. Sometimes it's the shame of the wicked one who is whispering in their ears. You're not enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're not big enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not tall enough. You're not gifted enough. You're too light. You're too dark. You talk funny. 
your hair is too long, your hair is too short, your feet are too big, your lips are too big, your eyes are a funny color. Why do you talk like that? Why do you walk like that? So at all times, we must make sure that these children are taken care of. As we do that, never forget what it's like to be a child. Thank God, I'm 59 years old, and oh, how I remember what it was like to be 11 and 12. I have such a heart for the teenagers. I was praying for Wilma and Sophie and Emily at the end, and oh, man, my heart. <laughs> so take all of that and make sure when you see those kids later on, when you see them, just bless them. And you'll hear my voice. The Holy Spirit will bring my voice back. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to bless them. Hi, you're beautiful. Hi, you did a good job today. Hey, we're praying for you. Because they are not just children. They are ambassadors for Christ. They can get in places we can't get in. And so let's make sure that they are filled up. Hey, go real quick to the, uh, the book of Ezekiel. I want to read the passage of scripture to you. And... Uh, what we don't get to finish today, we'll unpack it on Wednesday. And really, really, hey, look, let's fill, let's fill it up. Let's make Wednesday such where we're not down in the room that we have to be up here. Let's fill the place up. Let's fill the place up. God has given us so many hours in a week. Let's give him one more hour on Wednesdays. Our fresh encounters are only an hour. And that's not to shame you. I know we have things that come up. I'm not trying to shame you, make you feel bad. But I am trying to inspire you because God wants to use you. And so we're going to be having some equipping done on Wednesdays. And so we'll unpack this. Whatever I don't get done today, we'll, we'll unpack that on Wednesday. Is that okay, Pastor Paul? This is okay. Cool. All right, Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. 1 to 12. It's like, man, we're going to read all them scriptures? Yeah, we don't, we don't always read the Bible these days. And so um, I'm going to be doing some reading. <laughs> we doing some reading. Okay, so verse 1, is Ephesians, I'm sorry, Ezekiel chapter 47, verses 1 to 12. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. So it's a stream of water flowing from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. I want you to pan out and see this view, see this view. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around the, to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Verse 5, then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep, too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. 
When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert to the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand alongside the shores of the Dead Sea. Fishermen, fishermen, fishermen. All the way from Engedi to Enjalam, the, the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. Verse 11, but the marshes and the swamps, they will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never brown and fall. They will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month. For they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. Oh, man. What a picture. When I see that, and there are many prophetic voices that come to say what this is and what it isn't. But I know for me, as I meditate on this passage of scripture, and it's become one of my favorites, I see it as those that are dead around us, those that are broken around us. And I see, I see God using that water that is flowing out of the temple to now bring life. I was praying over these children that were up here. I ran into Zoe. I said, your name is Zoe? I said, you know that means life. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And in scripture, that Zoe word means the life of God. And that's what God has given for this temple. This temple. So filled with the spirit of God. So filled with the life of God. The river of God flowing. You know, Pastor Mark, again, was, was playing that song this morning. Will you meet me here again? <laughs> then I think the bridge of the song says, not for a minute was I forsaken. The Lord is in this place. Everybody say, say the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. The next part of that, that, that bridge says, come Holy Spirit, dry bones awakened. The Lord is in this place. And that's what happens during our time of worship where, where Danielle is singing about the presence of, of the Lord. The presence of God coming in. Words on the screen talking about the presence of God. And we feel good. 
And we feel better and better the more we sing. I love singing songs. David said when he was running from Saul and his soldiers, he says he was running through the caves of Adullam, and he was in there, and he was hiding. And he says, I looked to my, my left, I found no one there. And I looked to my right, and there was no one there to encourage me. So I encouraged myself in God. I built myself up. And songs do that. That's why Paul said, sing to yourself songs hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. But it goes more than that. The worship that we experience, the presence of God that we experience in this house should be so filled that it is now seeping out under the door, seeping out the door on the right side, the door on the left side, the front. It's spilling out. And we don't want crumbs. We don't want just a little taste of God. No, we want all of God. We want to be filled with God in this place. So the spirit of God flows out from this place. And then it fills the streets. It goes up and down the streets. What does that look like? It looks like it coming out of these houses of worship, when I was driving this morning, I passed so many services, so many churches with cars in the parking lots. People all over during this time, up until maybe 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock this afternoon, depending on the timing, people are having worship events. Coming together, gathering together, reading scripture, hearing songs, singing songs, remembering the goodness of God. Pastor Pam was sharing this morning, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. He's worthy of all of that. So what does it look like after 3 o'clock? What does it look like at 5 o'clock on a Sunday? 8 o'clock on a Sunday? 2 o'clock on Monday? What does it look like? 3 o'clock on Wednesday or 7 p.m. on Friday. What does it look like? And what does it look like not being here? What does it look like at the bank? What does it look like at the supermarket? What does it look like? See, the rivers that are coming out of here should now come out of our houses. Yeah. Songs of worship coming out of your bedroom, your kitchen, coming out of the basement or the attic. Or your family room, your patio, it ought to be coming out. And what's it for? It's for healing. People are so desperate for a spiritual touch from God. I was coming on Saturday, I was coming from Philadelphia, coming over the Walt Whitman Bridge, and I saw a billboard. Because coming from Philadelphia to New Jersey over the Walt Whitman Bridge, and it goes both ways, but coming in to New Jersey, it talks a lot of what's happening in Atlantic City. And I saw this young-looking kid. Maybe he's in his 20s or 30s. I don't know. He looked young. He's younger than me. <laughs> and, and it had on the bottom, psychic. Most of the time, there's a singer. Most of the time, it's a band or a comedian. It's some kind of act. But this is a psychic. And people are so desperate for God these days 
that they will follow someone that's not even talking for God. Sometimes it'll be a witch. Sometimes it'll be some form of spiritual wickedness. But most of the time, it's just somebody who's using marketing and they found a way to dupe people. But what's the point? People are desperate for a touch from God. The life of God. And we have it. We have it. We don't just have it. Our children have it. See, we have it. And we want to stay so filled up with it that it goes beyond just the crumbs of the worship songs that are sung. Those are good. But people want more than that. Oh, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. They want a move of God. And the move of God is in you. Hope is in you. I'll quote right now. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Put your hand on your chest. It's like, man, whenever Pastor Terry, he's always getting me to do something. He's talk to somebody. I put my hand somewhere on my chest. Put your hand on your chest. Say this with faith. Christ in me. All right, say it louder than me. Say it louder than me. Christ in me. The hope of glory. I'll give you a quick definition for hope. It's the confident expectation of God's goodness coming. So now when you say Christ in me, the hope of glory, it's like, wow. Oh, confident expectation of God's goodness coming to me and then through me? Yeah. You're part of that river that started off at the ankles and then went to the knees and then went to the waist and then it got to the point where all of Burlington County was flooded with God. See, all of Burlington's not going to come into High Street Worship Center or any of the other churches that are around. Thank God that we have these houses of worship. But, but, God is looking for the Spirit of God to come under the doorpost, under the doors, outside the right, the left, flowing. And then it starts low and it gets higher and higher and higher to the point where you got to swim in it. That's what he wants. And it's not spooky where we're all walking around with our Bible saying, thus saith the Lord. No, don't get weird. Represent him well, not weird. Will you help me tell somebody that? Look at somebody. Be Be nice. And say, represent Jesus well. Not weird. So don't go to ShopRite and thus saith the Lord. No, go to ShopRite and say something like, hi. Because that's how it starts. It starts with having a conversation. And then God finds his way in the conversation. And so, yes, this should be the place where the Spirit of the Lord is. But so should your home, and so should you. Should you. And remember, there were fish of every kind. It's one of the things that was so attractive to me when I began to walk into high street worship. When we purchased our building over in 40th 40, 40 Street, it's right on Penn's campus, before... 
we purchased it. We were deep into West Philadelphia, and it was predominantly African-American, and that's our base, and that's what we are now, predominantly African-American. But God said, I don't want you to just be a church that's unified as African-Americans. He says, I want oneness to happen so the world could see. So he supernaturally gave us a building right on Penn's campus. You know what happens on Penn's campus? We get people from all over the world. Indonesia. At one point we had 37 different nations. Ghana. I was so happy to meet my, my brother from Liberia. Where's my brother from Liberia? Where is he at? Where's my guy from Liberia? Where is he? Liberia. There's another one. There he is. Wait, are you from Liberia too? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Who in here is not American? It's not bad to be American. Who in here is not American? That's not your base. Ah, 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 ah. It says that there are going to be fish of every kind. When I walk in here and I see so many colors, so many personalities, like we were praying for the wiring over the kids, so many different wiring. So many giftings, so many, and we celebrate that. We don't celebrate just the ones that stand up here. May God get us to the place where we get away from hero worship, and we're just worshiping the king, right? King of kings, Lord of lords. So we are those temples. Because see, that's the New Testament picture. Old Testament picture, it was a place. New Testament picture says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's in you. So how do you get filled and how do you stay filled to where that river is? I'm going to give you just a couple of things. Number one, remain in repentance. Remain in repentance. Everybody say that. Remain in repentance. Remain in repentance. What does repentance mean? Repentance doesn't mean, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I'm such a horrible person. Oh, God. No. Repentance means I was going in this direction. And then I found out that God's perspective was over there. And so I started going where he is. And personally for me, I live in a state of repentance. I always want to hear God's opinion, God's plan. So we live in repentance. Live in repentance. What's the second one? Remain filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine. And I'm not here to debate with you whether wine is, you know, you're a Christian, you drink. Or Look, let's not even get into all of that. Be filled with the Spirit is what he said, rather. Don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with wine, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Represent him well, not weird. All right? Filled with the Spirit. What's the representation of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith. Come on. Blessed are the peacemakers. They should be called the children of God. Are you just one of them peacemakers? Absolutely. I look like him, and I want to keep looking like him. Does it make sense? So remain in repentance. Remain filled with the Holy Spirit. And these last three that I try and live by every day. The quickness. What does that mean? Quick to repent. Quick to forgive. Quick to love. 
Can I say that again? You guys go with me? Quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to love. Do one more time. One more time. Quick to repent. Quick to forgive. Get it straight quickly. Quickly release people. Set the caged bird free. And then quick to love. What happens when you stay in a place like that? God can use you at any time. He can use you at any time. Always start off with love. Love is the key. Don't try and, no, don't try and do more of the wrong or more of the off and think that's going to fix it. You got to bring in something different. And for years and years and years, and dare I say generations, we do a lack of forgiveness in families, a lack of repenting in families, a lack of saying I'm sorry. Doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Thinking that when they find out how mad I am at them, that'll get them straight, that'll fix them. No. That same spirit of anger that's on one is just going to jump to the other. And so you got to bring in something new. There's a story about a little boy, and all he did was lie. Every time he went to school, he lied. And the principal said, well, send him to me. I'll get it straight. The teacher said, this little kid's lying all the time. Send him to me. I'll get him straight. Went to the principal. principal said, I'm going to tell him the biggest lie he ever heard. And so he says, come here, Tommy. Guess what happened? Over the weekend, me and my family, we were out at the pool, and we're playing around, and then here comes this, here comes this little, little bitty dog. And this little bitty dog runs after this big old bear. The bear was chasing my family. Can you see it, Tommy? And Tommy's like, whoa. Big bear coming and chasing my family, and here comes this little tiny dog. And, Tommy was like, that's my dog. that came in there and did that. What did Tommy just do? Tommy just trumped the liar with a lie. So you can't take something that's off and bring in more off. So when anger tries to get into your family, come in with love. Be kind. Be gracious. And when your family calls you and says, oh yeah, uh, so-and-so did this, or so-and-so did this, and whether it's in the office, so-and-so did this, or so-and-so did that. Don't repeat it. Don't spread it. Go on the fast. You guys remember the fast that I told you that we go on the last time? You guys remember the fast? Anybody? Anybody? What's the fast? Anybody know? It's not eating, right? It's not eating. C G A. Accusing. It's a fast. It's a CGA fast. You fast complaining. You fast gossiping. You fast accusing. You fasting. Fasting. Complaining, gossiping, accusing. Fast on it. Pastor Pam did a teaching on that back in 2018, 2000, uh, the end of, well, 20, when we got into 20. And there was all of that stuff going on. Because when you get home, man, and you can't go out, you're in the pandemic. And people were just complaining, complaining, complaining. Or they were gossiping, or they were accusing. And so you fast, but while you're fasting, as you know, when you fast food, as a Christian, you're supposed to replace it with time praying or time reading scripture. So if we replace the CGA 
We replace it with love and grace and blessing. And may that be the rhythm in your homes. What happens when it comes out of our lives and it comes out of our homes? I'll share you this quick story and then we'll close. We had just got out of a youth conference at our church. We had gone the whole week. And on that Sunday, the kids got up and they were sharing and singing and teaching. And uh, I didn't have to do much that day, but you could just sense the presence of God on these kids. But I tell you, I had the craziest toothache. Out of nowhere, I've got this toothache. And so I come outside the church building, and we have a building right in the center of Chestnut Street. And if you walk a block, there are some stores and things. So I said, you know what? I'm going to run over to CVS, and I'm going to get some ibuprofen. I'm going to pray over that ibuprofen. we got to get rid of this toothache. So while I'm walking towards CVS, I have to go to the bathroom out of nowhere. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that. And so I'm walking, all of a sudden, I got to go to the bathroom. And so CVS is that way, and this supermarket, like an Acme, fresh groceries over to the right. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over there. And I'm going, and I'm asking customer service, where's the restroom? Where's the restroom? They're like, upstairs. Okay, thank you. And I walk upstairs, and I'm ready to go. And I walk in, and as soon as I walk in, and here are the urinals over there. I'm walking over to the urinals, and out of my left peripheral, I see movement. And I look over, and there's a guy. He's about 260 pounds. And he had wrapped a cord around his neck and wrapped it around the post of the stall so that when I saw him, he was dangling. In a panic, I run over to him. I'm trying to hold him up. I'm trying to hold him up while I'm unwrapping this thing from around his neck. I'm holding him up. And he's gasping. And when I finally get the top of it off, he just plunges to the ground. Now I'm on top of him, and I'm, hey, what's your name? He told me his name. I said, no, you don't want to do this. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to kill myself. Nobody would have seen him. Nobody would have seen him. I'm the only one that went up to that floor. And I'm only going up to that floor because supernaturally God... Makes me go to the bathroom. <laughs> because you know, if you're following this, after the paramedics come and after he's okay and everything is wonderful and I walk outside of the supermarket like, God, I, either, I neither have to go to the bathroom nor is my tooth hurting. Which shows you he is Jehovah Elroy. He's the God who sees. Don't get this part twisted. I am not that anointed that God only does stuff like that to me. He wants to work through whoever. And there are times when it will be something as dramatic as that, or it might just be a person sitting on the bench, or it might be an executive, or it might be your neighbor, or it might be someone who looks perfectly well and fine, but inward. They need to have an experience with God. So I want to push you. Stay filled. 
And something may happen today, something may happen tomorrow, but he wants off of the experience you had to be so filled that the river flows out of your temple, under your doorpost, down your street, into the areas where you travel. Healing from the overflow. That's what today's title is supposed to be. Healing from the overflow. So stay filled. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to repent. Be quick to love. And let God use you to transform lives. Do you see it? Close your eyes just for a moment. I want you to remember the experience that you had with the Lord. Remember the experience. Remember the experience that you had with him. What was your experience? They asked blind Barnabas. They said, what happened to you? Who did this thing to you where you can see now? He said, all I know is I once was blind, but now I see. You see, an experience with God will never be at the mercy of someone who has an argument. Experience always trumps reasoning. What was your experience? Because that's what God's going to call from. He's going to pull from that. What he's done for me is so amazing. The love he has for me, I cannot explain. All I know is I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And I know he'll do for you what he's done for me. Father, by your spirit, we invite you in to touch the lives of those who are listening here and those who are watching. Show them how easy it is to come into your presence and receive the healing, the trees, the, the flourishing of their individual lives. Show them how much you love them. If you're one of those individuals and you've never accepted Jesus, then say those words, those, those simple words. Dear God, I believe you love me. Let them know, I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. I believe you were buried. And I believe that he raised Jesus from the dead. Father, raise me up today that I may experience healing from your spirit. I make Jesus my Lord. Amen.